0: So we're going to go in our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, We're going to read this every single week as we are in this series, and then we're going to bounce over to another section of Scripture where I want to do all of our work today. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16 says this, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads, and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls." Now I want to go over to 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through 19. This is where I want to do work today. We're going to, we're going to anchor ourselves in this piece of scripture that I'm really excited uh, to share with you. First Peter chapter 4 verses 12 through to 19 says this, Dear friends, that's us, all of us. Dear friends, don't see, be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, "'Rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ "'so that you may also rejoice with great joy "'when his glory is revealed. "'If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, "'you are blessed because the spirit of glory "'and of God rests on you. "'Let none of you suffer as a murderer, "'a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. "'But if anyone suffers as a Christian, "'let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God "'in having that name.'" For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if a righteous person is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and sinner? Verse 19, so then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. Today, as we continue on in our series, Saving Sacred, I want to speak to you from the subject It's Not Surprising. It's not surprising as we look at the sacredness of suffering in our lives. I know the subject matter that all of us love talking about and so desperately want to talk about today, and that is the subject matter of suffering. Before we jump into it, we pray with me just one more time today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are in this place, whether that place is a living room, a kitchen, a cubicle, in a car, on a cell phone, on a ski lift. I thank you that you are surrounding us. You are with us in every single circumstance. You are with us in every situation. And so God, right now, I ask that as we open your word, that you would speak through it to us, that you would speak uniquely to our situation, that you'd speak uniquely to our circumstance. God, for those of us who need encouragement today, I pray that you would encourage us. for those of us that need hope today, I pray that you would bring hope. I pray that you would challenge all of us, that you would refine each and every single one of us. So we lift up the totality of who we are to you today. And we say, have your way in our hearts and in our minds, in our homes, in our workplaces, wherever we find ourselves. God, we worship you. We thank you for your word. Speak to us now. We're listening in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody said amen. I hope, I hope you shouted amen in your, in your living room today. Um, I talk with a lot of people on a, on a weekly basis, uh, conversations that represent really the gamut of human emotion and experience and situation and circumstance, and I love that I get to talk with a lot of people, and if you've been around me, you know that I love to talk. It's kind of just who I am. Part of being a pastor is being involved with the story of life and faith, a story that has lots of twists and turns. And, In one of the conversations that I was in recently, though, a a, a statement was made while I was listening to their story, um, and and they used this phrase that I've heard many, many times, but it struck me a little bit differently in this conversation. And and as they were telling me their story, and as they were kind of working through this adventure that they had been on, uh, their adventure called life, their adventure of the journey of faith, they, they used this statement in talking about a lot of things that had gone wrong. And they said, it's not surprising and then they would tail off into some of the details. It's not surprising this, ha- this has happened to me. It's not surprising that it's, that it's going that way. And in this conversation, this, this phrase kept coming out. It's not, it's not surprising. And, and referencing the general outlook they had come to have and assume over their life, I started to cue into it a little bit more. And I realized that, that this particular person that I was having a conversation with, like you and I, had an issue with something. And their issue wasn't with the unique details of every situation, but the overarching theme of it, which at the base of it was suffering and and pain and and hardship. While the statement was being used as a negative and a generally pessimistic idea and view of their life, it was a statement that struck me on that day differently than any other moment I've heard it. Maybe it's because of 2020. 2020 or 2021, (laughs) but I heard it in a way that I had not heard it before. This time, the words that were being said struck me differently because of what Peter has just told us. And it's there I thought to myself, what if we started to view suffering differently? See, for this person and for many of us in general, suffering is a really hard concept. I mean, if we're very honest about it, we don't, we don't like it. Like, no one woke up today and decided, you know, like, I hope I suffer today. I hope I walk through some pain today. I hope I walk through some tribulation today. I hope I walk through some situations that I really just generically are not going to like. Like, none of us woke up like that today. But I want to ask us this question. What if we saw suffering differently than we actually see it? In her book, Confronting Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin writes this, Suffering is not an embarrassment to the Christian faith. It is the thread with which Christ's name is stitched into our lives. And as I read that, as I just finished this book recently, I gotta admit, it shook me to the core because for many of us we are conditioned we are wired we believe and we we ascribe to this notion that god's greatest design for your life and for my life is simply for us to be happy and make sure everything goes the way that we want it to he's kind of more like our cruise boat captain than he is our god and so if we view him as our cruise boat captain then we believe inherently about him, that his sole purpose in our lives is to make sure that we have everything that we want, everything that we need, and that the the sailing is smooth, and that I generically enjoy myself. I get to the end of my life and I can say about it, hey, I I enjoyed that. But the truth is, in order to reconcile life and faith in its reality, we have to take into account the issue of suffering. We have to deal with this subject matter. Jesus would say it like this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He'd say, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he goes on to get really happy for us. You will have suffering in this world. Thanks, Jesus. Caleb moment. You will have suffering in this world. But he says, be courageous because I've conquered the world. And the great theologian, Tupac Shakur, he would say it like this. That's just the way that it is. I don't know where you're coming from today, but I... I understand this truth right here is that no matter which way I slice it, no matter which way I look, no matter which direction I go, it doesn't matter how how many good behaviors I have going or how many bad behaviors I have going, it doesn't matter how much faith I have or, or little faith I have, I have found this truth to be true. And that suffering exists any which way I go. I don't want it to be, but it's the truth. In other words, as Peter would remind us, we should not be surprised at the onset and application of suffering in our lives. Come on, somebody. Someone needs to hear that today and understand that today. It's not surprising. And so while I sat there and listened to the story from this individual that I was sitting with, and they were saying as they would go through things that it wasn't surprising given the nature of their life. I sat back to realize and once again affirm in my own life, you know what, it actually shouldn't be surprising. And it's not because we're bad, it's not because we're good, it's not because we're blessed or we're not blessed or we have faith or we don't have faith. The reason that we should not be surprised about it is because we are promised it. If you're in the chat section today, I'd love for you to write, suffering is promised. I know that's a hard one to grab a hold of because generically speaking, we want, we need God to be good. And for many of us, we, we assume his goodness to be a direct representation of lack of suffering in our lives. So if I'm not experiencing bad things, God is good. But if I'm experiencing bad things, then God is somehow not good. And I want to disrupt our thinking in this series as we head down this ancient path. What does this have to do with saving sacred? Well, here's my preposition to you today, and I need us to grab a hold of it. And is this truth right here. One of the most sacred spaces that we can be invited into is the sacred space of suffering. It's the sacred space of suffering. Suffering is not a new reality for us. However, it is more recently something that we have become more viscerally opposed to and culturally speaking, especially here in the West, it has all but become something that we believe we should never experience in our lives. So we work, we invent, and we design all with the abatement of suffering in mind. One more app, one more safety mechanism, one more warning, all in the name of staving off the big bad evil of suffering. Yet no matter what we come up with, how many of you agree with me today that suffering still finds its way into our story? No matter how much I try to wrap up my children in protection, they're still going to experience pain. No matter how much I follow them around and I helicopter pilot my way around their lives and I try to protect their ears and I try to protect their eyes and I try to guard their bodies and I try to do all the things. How many of you know, come on parents, no matter what I do, they are still going to experience suffering and pain. Why? Because it's part of the story. It's a part of the promise. It's a part of the facts of life. We're going to face it. And for some of us today, right now, as we engage in this message, as we engage this Sunday morning in church, we are going to have to do the hard work of reconciling this reality. Why should we not be surprised? Well, Peter tells us earlier in his writings, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, when he would let us know that suffering is necessary. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow until we understand the necessity of suffering, until we understand what takes place in suffering and then what comes out of suffering. And I know even for some of us right now, the term suffering, the, 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 the idea that I've used it so many times already in this message is bothersome to us. You're like, I just wanted to show up and be encouraged today. And that's kind of the point, is that we, we scale back and we, and we push away from this truth of suffering. But if we actually dig into it biblically and we understand its presence in our lives, we can actually find the joy in suffering, the beauty in suffering, the, the closeness of God in suffering. And that's what I want to work through today. My mission today is to help us see the sacredness in our suffering. And to help us assimilate to the idea of not being surprised when we experience it in our lives. To become the type of people that as we go through moments and seasons in life where suffering is a part of the storyline, we can, as Paul would encourage us towards, stand and keep on standing. So to do this, I want to take a look at a few truths that the Bible offers us about the involvement of suffering in our lives, here's the first, first truth that I want us to grab a hold of today. It's this, is that suffering comes with the territory. Suffering comes with the territory. First Peter chapter four, verse 19. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves. Let's stop there. Let, let's say that just one more time. Peter, you just said according to God's will? Wait a second, are you kidding me right now? That's what he's offering us. So then let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good." So Peter's letting us know. He's saying, hey, listen, there's no reason to stop going. There's no reason to stop moving forward. There's no reason to stop doing what is good, even in the midst of suffering. You've got to learn how to realize that there is this thing that's going to be happening in your life. At the same time good things are happening, there may be some suffering happening. At the same time things are going exactly the way you want them to, there's a whole other department that that it's not going the way that you want it to. Suffering is going to happen. It's a part of the territory. You know, it's no, uh, it's no surprise or news that I love the outdoors. I'm an outdoorsy person. Uh, I know this is ski season right now, and a lot of people are outdoors on the mountain, but like, I'm, the, I'm probably more now that I've really dialed into it I'm more of the spring-summer outdoor person. I love the river. I love fly fishing. I love camping. We love hiking as long as there is a river or a lake uh, that I can get to to fly fish at. Uh, we love traveling to places like Montana and Idaho and Wyoming. That's my jam. I love the outdoors. I love finding backcountry lakes to get into. And uh, what I've realized is in all of my journeys in doing this, and all of the, the moments that I've stepped outside and, and embraced the outdoors, I have to take a few things into account. One of the first things that I take into account is I've gotten really good at packing for any type of weather phenomenon that can happen. I know you don't think it because you can wander into the high Uintas in the summertime. Those are some of the mountains here in Salt Lake. You can, hike, you can uh, hike up into the high Uintas and it can be 75, 80 degrees sunny and all of a sudden a storm moves in, literally in the middle of summer, moving it from 75 degrees to all the way to 40 degrees. So I've learned that even in the summertime, I'm gonna pack in my bag, I'm gonna have a coat that's gonna keep me warm in snow. For a lot of us, we don't think that way because you're like, it's summertime. But when you're in the mountains, when you're in a different type of territory, come on somebody, how many of you know, when you're in those places, the weather can change on you in a dime. The other thing that I've come to realize when I'm outside, when I'm in the the outdoors and, and I'm in the mountains, is that the territory has some specific topography, in other words, I'm not just hiking a flat road. They don't have just paved roads out there for us to wander into these places. No, I'm, I'm leaping over boulders and I'm climbing over logs and we're traversing and, and it gets a little bit dicey. Here's the point. Every territory has a topography and the topography of God's will includes suffering. Let me say that one more time. The topography of God's will includes suffering. Why? Because suffering comes with the territory. You know, a question that I often receive from people is, how do I know if I'm in the will of God? It's a big question. In our LDP class, it's a question that we get all the time. How do I know if I'm in the will of God for my life? Peter gives us all a pretty clear indicator right here. Honestly, this is how I can keep on pressing forward in life and faith, is understanding what what Peter's saying is that suffering is a part of God's will. So to flip the script on all of us, many times I start to realize that if I'm in the middle of God's will, usually it's gonna include suffering. It's when nothing's going on in my life. It's when the the seas are smooth and everything's moving and there's just no friction whatsoever. That actually worries me a little bit more than when stuff is happening and pushing against me and I'm going through some things. That's when I know the, The topography is right because it's it's included in the territory. The reason I can keep on pressing forward in life and faith after many of the things that I've gone through recently and in the past is because I've just come to realize that suffering is a part of the territory. Pain is a part of the territory. It's a part of the topography of God's will. It's not to say that God is producing hardship for you. But rather, suffering is just part of the space that we occupy as I wander into his will. And that's what we've got to realize, is that many of us, were are wandering into God's will for our life. We're walking. We're pursuing Him. We're, we're pushing into it. And as we do that, we have to understand that we're going to step into places and spaces where suffering is there. It works. The children of Israel, when they were being invited into the promised land, we have to understand that while there was massive fruit in the promised land, while it was a place flowing with milk and honey, the Bible would tell us, it was also a, a place with giants. It was also a place with, with people who would come against them. It was a place that they would suffer at the same time. It's a part of the topography. If you look across scripture, you'll find over and over and over again that as men and women of faith stepped into God's plan and purpose for their life, it included suffering and pain, adversity and challenge. Even Jesus himself, his life of faith and purpose included suffering. So for many of us, we just gotta grab a hold of this truth right here. It's a part of the territory. Let's double down on it really quick. I wanna show you a piece of scripture. Paul the Apostle knew this truth as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, or excuse me, verse 23 through to 28 says this. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one. With far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. And then he goes on to list it. He just took a, he took a record. He wrote a journal of all of his sufferings. He says, five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Do the math on that. It's a lot of lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning, and I'm not talking like Colorado stoning, okay? Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea on frequent journeys. I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in shoes, and dangers in houses. You get the point. Son of Dr. Susie, right here, right? Dangers in the wilderness dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. And then he says this, not to mention other things. There's the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. All of this was included in the territory of God's will for Paul's life. I want you to grab a hold of that today. I need us to grab a hold of that today. God invites Paul into this journey of faith and included in the journey is that list that we just read. How did he reconcile it? How did he deal with that? He tells us a few verses later in 2 Corinthians 12, verses nine through 10. Watch what he says. But he said to me, God, speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you And my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. And then he says this, because of that truth, I take pleasure in weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, he is strong. And I think so many times we simply just chalk this verse right up here that Paul's speaking to the idea of grace for sinful behaviors. And that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the grace, the power that is available to us in and through Jesus as we walk through the hardships of life and the journey of faith. Here's the second truth that we need to grab a hold of today is that suffering unites us with Jesus. It unites us with Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, instead rejoice, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. The truth is that suffering always produces proximity with Jesus, both in experience and in comfort. Listen to what the psalmist tells us. Psalm chapter 34, verses 15 through to 18 says this, that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to remove all memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near, here it is, to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. And this is a very important distinction to make because there is a common thought that suffering is an indicator of the absence of God. Especially in light of teachings that suggest that God's greatest desire is for us to be happy, stress-free, and have everything that we want. This could not be farther from the truth of Scripture. And the more that we understand this, then the better equipped we are to navigate real life and real faith. And it helps us have really more joy in the midst of our suffering. We have to give up on the notion that suffering and pain and hardship in our life is somehow the indicator of God's absence or his hand being lifted from our life. That is not how God operates in our lives. Rather, we have to come to the idea and understanding that when I am going through hardship, when I am going through painful moments, when I'm going through this thing called suffering, that that is actually the place that we are the closest to Jesus, we are most united with him. Now, qualifier. Let's work through this because some of us are experiencing suffering. Some of us are experiencing pain that is in connection to bad decision making. So there's a difference between rejoicing in the suffering I'm experiencing because of life and the journey of faith and the enemy and the proximity that I am to the will of God versus the suffering that comes upon us because I did something stupid. Because how many of y'all know we've all experienced suffering and pain in our life because of a decision that I made? We've all been there before. And, and Peter brings distinction to this. He says, "If you're ridiculed for the, uh, for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Let no one suffer. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Here it is, a thief, an evil-doer, or a meddler. but if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed of that. So he's bringing distinction between these two places. There's there's the times that we suffer because I've made poor decisions, but then there's the times that I suffer because I've stepped into God's will, because I've stepped into a place where the enemy's coming at me, because I've stepped into a place where I'm experiencing the brokenness of the world. I, I hope you see the difference today. This is an important distinction for us to make. Why? Because our suffering is sacred, because it unites us in a shared experience with Christ. See, suffering is immersive in nature. It it impacts the totality of who we are. And when seen and understood as a unifying space, suffering moves beyond a temporal experience to a transcendent one. One that becomes worship. One that becomes adoration. One that becomes a blessing. This is why Peter would go on to say in 1 Peter 5, verse 10, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. There's sacredness in our suffering. You know, as we've begun this series, Saving Sacred, there's going to be some messages that we're gonna work, there's gonna be some, some conversations that we're gonna have, there's gonna be some, some topics that we're gonna deal with that are gonna rub us a little bit differently than others. Some of them we're gonna love. I mean, when we, when we talk about Sabbath, yeah, we're all gonna get down with Sabbath. We're like, yeah, who doesn't like talking about rest and, and slowing down? And we love that sacred path, right? We, we love that ancient path. But when we talk about suffering for some of us right now, this is, this is difficult because we are in the throes of it right now. Whatever, whatever that suffering may look like, whatever that suffering may be, maybe it's personal suffering. You've been diagnosed with something. You've been, uh, you know that, that you, you are acutely aware of something that's happening in your body right now, and you are suffering. Maybe it's through loss. Maybe it's through, I mean, there's a myriad of different things that cause suffering in our lives. And so for some of us, this is a shocking message because you're asking the question right now, like I have how can I see suffering as sacred? Doesn't make sense. But that's why we got to work through things like this, as Peter deals with. Is that to suffer helps us understand and know that we are actually united with Jesus? See, the advanced warning of suffering is to preemptively strike at the idea of God not loving us because we are experiencing suffering in our lives. It's the furthest thing from the truth. It is in the sacredness of suffering that we experience the closeness of God. The problem is that we end up subverting the process of proximity as we work to avoid pain of any and every kind. See, the funny thing is is that we want to feel close to God, yet... We push away and hide from the very place that he's found and experienced. This is why suffering is sacred, because it's the place where God works. Suffering is sacred because it's the place that, that God works. See, I want to take, take issue with something. The whole self-care movement and... Um, wrap myself up to make sure that I don't feel anything and, 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 and avoid pain and stay away from hard things, that, that type of mentality is destroying us because it's actually moving us away from the very place that God ministers to us the most. But see, some of us are so, and I'm not saying, so, like, I'm not saying, like, a mani petty is bad for you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't go get a massage or take a vacation. That, that's not what I'm, I'm submitting to us today. But what I am submitting to us today is that we have to be very careful and understand the distinction between taking a vacation to take a vacation or taking a vacation to escape. See, it's one thing to go for a day of shopping in order to just enjoy. Versus to go away for a day of shopping because spending money and buying things and focusing on me helps me avoid the pain that I actually really need to walk through. Oh, come on, somebody. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about. And so there's these, these moments where I'm going to avoid people in general. It's, it's better to avoid people and never be in a relationship and never talk and never engage and never trust so that I don't ever have to experience the suffering I did then when I lost all that because of A, B, and C. Here's the point. We have to learn how to suffer well. And when we do so, we find the sacredness of it. And I want to just encourage us right now in this moment, when we enter into that space, understanding that it is uniting us with Christ. Oh, he ministers to us in profound ways. Oh, he comes in and he starts to heal and he starts to bandage up wounds and he starts to deal with our hearts and he starts to transform our minds as we are united in this thing called suffering. It's a Sacred place. Here's the third truth as we get ready to close. Suffering employs the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Suffering employs the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. First Peter chapter 4, verse 14 says this, if you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Watch, this is why. Because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Man, what A beautiful statement. If I'm honest, probably one of my most favorite sections of Scripture in the Bible. Suffering is an invitation for the presence of God to rest upon our lives. Suffering is the invitation for the presence of God to rest Upon our lives. Now, remember, if, if you're joining with us uh, new for the first time today, um, we are in this, not just this series, Saving Sacred, but the overall banner for this year as a, as a church is this idea of presence and encounter. You can, you can uh, go back in some of our, uh, on our YouTube channel, you can find some of those messages. But what we have to realize is that presence and encounter, to, have, to be in the presence of God, to encounter God, that actually happens in suffering. And so when we limit ourselves from it, when we try to build our life in such a way where I don't feel and experience those things, if I constantly try to bubble wrap myself and, and, and move away from things and I'm constantly trying to dodge points of pain and, and points of suffering, as I, as I work to do that, I'm actually missing the very context in which I experience the presence of God, where he shows up as fire and flame in my life. See, who we are in suffering actually says a lot about who we are in stillness. Because when I'm still with God and I understand this, then I can step into moments of pain and hardship and I can stand. And it's not done because I'm a strong person or I have my life together or I have this together or I have this ability. No, it's, because of these truths that we've discussed today. And so as we continue down ancient paths, my hope is today to introduce us to the sacred path of suffering. And while we may have not thought today that we were coming with that one, I want to encourage us to... To take this message today and and, and work through it, read through 1 Peter and read through many, many other moments in Scripture where we see suffering as the mechanism that God uses to draw us close to him. It's the sacred path of suffering. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes wherever you're at, watching online today. And I don't know what brought you on to this particular moment maybe somebody shared it or uh, you're you're normally here and, and online and joining us or, or in the house when we were in live services but today I want to ask you a question and it's do you know Jesus it's probably one of the biggest questions that all of us could be asked and right now, for some of you, you hopped on today, you're hearing this message, and you would it, it's resounding with you because you're like, man, that, that's been my life. That's been stuff I'm going through. That's, that's where I'm at. And maybe today, <clears throat> you'd be doing the suffering thing without Jesus. See, no matter what happens after this moment, we're either gonna suffer with Jesus or we're gonna suffer without Jesus. We gotta make the decision today that that in understanding if that's the truth, I'm going to suffer, no matter which way I, I go at this thing, I want to suffer with Jesus because I understand the benefits that come out of it, I understand the closeness that how I understand what He does in my life. And so today we-